Cradeline Network. My friend Fox this is the 251st episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, Judge Dredd and Bix Barton head to space, trash travels some country roads, Durham oh. Red is just plain tripping, and both Brigand Doom and Skiz return for new adventures. I mean, I gotta ask, can you get high off that glass? I mean, on that sweet ass. Quite frankly, I don't know if stabbing someone in their leg gets you high. I mean, it. Int- I guess it would introduce a drug to your bloodstream, I guess. I, I mean, <laughs> into a lot of your body, right? Yeah, I don't... Maybe that's how... I mean, it's a good question of how potent is it that just sort of uh, a stab... Stabbing a person... Make you be get that high, I guess. Like, are you just, like, Listen, drinking a drop of it or something? this shit you so high that if you stabbed a motherfucker with it, that they would get high? I'm used to... I'm used to the stronger a drug being, the harder it is to take, Fox. That's my, my understanding. That's so, like... Deep. The, the strongest drug is when you have to, like, inject into your tear ducts or something like that. You oh, know? my God. Why would yeah. you ever introduce that concept into my mind, Conrad? Because you got to get high. <laughs> I got to get so high. Just get it right in my tear ducts, bro. Don't miss, or else you'll hit the optical nerve. Yeah, that's what. Sorry, I, that I, 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 that's what I saw in uh, Transmetropolitan that uh, comic. But oh no, wait, no, there's that one movie. Why am I forgetting it? Oh no, it must have been Cowboy Bebop, where you just spray chemicals in your eyeball and you freak <coughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. fuck out. Yeah, it's like an aerosol into your into your into your eye, into your eyeballs. <laughs> nothing says. I'm going to get really excited, like spring aerosol into my eyeball. I can't even put contacts in, Fox. I could not be in that. There's That's a- the first episode, too, as I recall. Man, like a smoky food from the stove getting into your eye. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, if you want to read along with you find the comics we're covering today and Judge Dredd, the complete case files 16, the complete skiz, and the Judge Dredd magazine number 319. I should mention also that these months were, that this time we're covering January 1992, Prague's 764 to 767. All right. Hey, look, we got there. See? Yeah, eventually. <laughs> and speaking of arriving just on t- just in time, Fox, but then also like a pipe goes right through you. Rats <laughs> on time. Oh shit! Let's go to thrill one, Judge Dread. I've never met a rat with red eyes, but they do seem to, you know, have the taste for blood. I guess an albino. Ra- I've seen an albino mouse that has red eyes. Yeah, but I they guess. got like pink eyes. They're very cute. Now, the ones I've seen have had red eyes, like they're freaking cicada, like they're, they're the cicadas currently um, attacking the American East Coast. The 17-year cicadas, Fox. Oh, oh man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
That's right. They're real. I remember they they came out when I was a kid, and now again, like an old enemy or something like that. It's pretty cool. Anyway, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> script robot Alan Grant, Garth Ennis, art robot John Burns, and Peter Doherty, lettering robot that Tom Frame. That's my boy. Ah, Grant and Burns start us off here as we continue from last episode with the art of geomancy as we see a rat crawling through the pipes of Mega City One as a narrator talks about how a warrior is one with the world and etc. mystic thingamajigs. I want to taste your blood. Let me yeah, the bite your coils. Finds a pool of blood and follows its stream to the tied up broken wrist of what's clearly Judge Dredd. But they've taken his gloves off. He looks so naked. Oh, um, God. Ew. God, you can see his digits and everything. Gross. At at the scene of his abduction, judges have found the bleeding Max normal. He seems to be okay. And ask what happened to Dredd. He explained that he was under duress when he called Dredd. I mean, Yeah. He was going to get murdered by an Asian lady. And they sent him to a med cube to recover. And I like Max Normal saying, hey, man, what's up with the hyphen cube? I'm okay. (laughs) And they said they'll hold him there until Dredd decides what to do with him. I mean, you know. Implying that Dredd isn't there to... Sorry, implying that Dredd isn't there to figure it out, then he's going to be in big trouble. Yeah, no, I no, I definitely I dig that man, but also like the one place I definitely like to be is not in the crosshairs of an assassin. Mm. You know, Mm. yeah, no, it it seems better for sure. And getting medical treatment, yeah, maybe. What I'm saying is, uh, you know, be subdued by the government, sheeple. Yeah, come on, give in. It's fine. Go to sleep consume the judges prepare <laughs> to search the site as the rat gnaws the blood-covered ropes holding dread in place when suddenly the assassin Wu Wong uh sees the rat picks up a nearby saw blade and throws it to cut the rodent's head off it's pretty cool oh, god i i really like at that point i said poor rat even mm-hmm. though it's a rat you can feel <laughs> bad like, for rats. The rats they're fine the rats just look at it look it's uh it's hungry and they're living just cut beings. its head off with a tiny shuriken. Yeah, like, come they're on. living beings like you and me. They have dreams of opening a French restaurant just like the rest of us. Oh, no, no, don't tie this in the ratatouille. Now I feel worse. For the record, I would not eat at that restaurant. That's gross. Um, well, I mean, he's just pulling on some guy's hair. I don't want a re- I don't want Put a restaurant spice that I, in things. I'm I don't want to go to a- I don't want to go to any restaurant that I know for a fact has rats in it. Fox, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, in restaurant. the in the ISO cube, some judges prepare to question Stan Lee himself, which of course naturally just leads to a severe beating and racial slurs instead of any yeah. information learned. Moving on, Stan Lee spits out blood, but I think it's hard to tell from his face. But he seems he, he, it seems like he's stoked to be re- avenged, like at last, like you know, dread will be killed oh, or yeah. something. He's like a, a super dope lady is gonna fucking avenge me on this dumb right. like uh, helmet man. And her murderous side boob will avenge me yet. Tied to a pipe, <laughs> Dred's chest and arms are bloody as Wu went. Wu Wang demands he apologizes for his disrespect before he dies, and he says, "Go to hell." So she gives him some palm strikes. Oh yeah, she I says, mean, "Yeah." He he seems to be like, "Look, man, I don't, I don't know how this particularly ends, but it does seem like she sticks a lot of of metal in his guts." 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely does some stabbing here. Um, she says he's getting old and that he's got doubts about his place in the world and that he's a tyrant, not a hero. And maybe, but honestly, this. we just finished up a whole plot line where the, a lot of those fears were assuaged. So this is not the, uh, the these words aren't as cutting, at, aren't cutting as deep as they might have. This story took place in like October of last year instead of January. Yeah, you know. it, I, so I enjoyed it simply on the aspect that it's like, ah, you're this kind of elder person mm-hmm. uh, who's out of touch with themselves. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he did just topple an entire well, he had an democratic ele- revolution. Yeah, or alternately um, assured himself that he is um, ruling tyrannically with the will of the people. You know, the people's tyrant. Like yep. when The Rock got turned evil or something like that in WWE. Anyway, um, judges are searching wow. the area. Dread's missing, so they got to go underground to check down there. They worry Dread oh, could already be dead. Man, I loved all of this buildup. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of... I I, I always like a, a desperate searching as um, fights break out, you know? Well, he's like getting tortured and she's like got her hand over his mouth. She's like fucking say anything, you stupid bastard. Yeah. Um, she gets close to Dread to, to, to get him to ask for death, but instead he spits in her face. She calls him a masochist and stabs him in the gut. He screams, his, <laughs> and his it. screams in pain are heard by the scream, by the searching judges. Wu Wong says not to get his hopes up, but the, um, but the ropes that the rat gnawed earlier are starting to come loose. Above, him though the floor gives way beneath a judge's feet which ends up tumbling down to where Wuong and Dread are landing on a spike that goes right through his chest oh no oh my so, god OSHA nightmare here and oh. <laughs> with this distraction this is, clearly he needed a helmet I mean, oh, he's a wait, ch- he ch- had one. Yeah, chest helmet, like a, a oh, body armor go. or something. Like a little nah. chest helmet. Though his wrist is broken, Dread pulls hard on his restraints oh and his God. hand comes free. He grabs Wu Wong and sort of like in a headlock, he says right into her ear, I am old. I've had my doubts, but there's one thing I'm not, and that's a quitter. And, and then he, he snaps her neck, Steven Seagal style. Snaps her neck. With his broken ass hand, just like with a couple of fingers, just like, nope, you're done. This is an extremely 1992 way to kill somebody for the record. That, God, uh, no doubt. That next snap where you turn the, you know, the shoulder one way and the head the other. I feel like they were all, like, I feel like just like how kids in the 70s grew up afraid of quicksand, like, I grew up afraid that, like, my neck was just made of, like, straw and anybody who, like, if my <laughs> shoulders moved one direction and my head moved the other, I would instantly die. Like, I didn't want to turn my head too I, far. I understand that fear. I'll, I'll, I'll come, come with you on this journey. Mm-hmm. Still, to this day, afraid of scorpions. Never seen Ooh. one. Never had to deal with one. But seen enough movies where it's like, hey, scorpion. Scorpion's in a box. Scorpion in your bed. I'm like, oh, Fuck. Scorpion's bad. Yeah. No, that's why I hate... <sighs> I was going to be real cool and comic-y and pull out the name of the uh, the character Scorpion from Spider-Man lore, but I don't, I don't remember it. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Scorpion. <laughs> I remember Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons, but okay. <laughs> Scorpio! So the other judges finally find Dread, and soon he's um, heavily bandaged at a med center. The 
level of knowledge that the Kroon, Bruce Lee's uh, 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 martial arts group had Clearly was worrying. Got taps. Yeah, they they breached the uh, the justice computers. Like the fact that they knew about Max Normal and stuff is is um, worrying. But hey, they've uh, changed the passwords and stuff to avoid future breaches, so it should be fine. Um, wow. Well, also. Assure us that the kid Wu Wang was using as a ruse earlier in the story has been returned to 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 its mother, and Dread says he might be getting old, like that he might indeed be getting old, and he's worried about who they'll send after him next. Love it. Love Don't worry it. too much, buddy. You'll be enforcing the law for the next thirty years or so. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're a cash cow. We're not going to murder you off to somebody who's doing some kung fu. Listen, now all the fa- now when they call you old, it's more a reflection of the artists of the of of the creators themselves feeling old, and thus it bleeding into oh. the story, as opposed to any sort of like actual like lack of ability. I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that, but anyway, here we go. <laughs> Let's continue on with a new story. Garth Ennis and Peter Doherty on this one. Doherty of, of um, will recall, of Young Death fame. Did that in the early days of the magazine. <clears throat> As the badass form of Justice One appears. I believe the first time... Wait, no, I forget if we've seen the Justice One between the, the Judge Child and now. We've seen as other... Far, yeah. As far as I know, we have not... Burning question I have for you, is it a ramp or is it stairs? Because apparently both are fairly fatal. <laughs> Gotta be careful with those with both of them, you know? But listen, I feel like, listen, you, you get on the ramp, or no, you get on the stairs and you stumble once or twice, you get up there, and but mostly you're okay and we can kind of chuckle if, about but it. But if it's you know? a ramp, you know, if it's a, you if might it's a need ramp, an arm guide. Yeah, it's very slippery and you've basically just got to spend the next two months talking about how you conquered that ramp in your speeches. So I'm saying <laughs> stairs are superior to ramps yeah. in terms of just dealing with it. But a ramp is better in terms of murderous potential. So that you know, a ramp you got you, you gotta never forget a ramp to kill. Yeah, hashtag never forget the ramp. Yeah, I'll, I'll always remember. Um, anyway, <laughs> I will say we've seen. I I know we've seen other justice vehicle, other justice department spaceships since the Judge Childs. I just don't think we've seen. Um, the, the not one the Justice itself. One, yeah, not yeah, the no. one. Um, no, this is this is this is our flagship. <laughs> yeah, it's got a big. I I don't want to say I don't want to say that it's phallus shaped, but you know, it's got a mushroom head on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Justice dildo. It's fine. You it's, don't know. It. Uh, well, feel like they could have gone with other shapes. There's tons of other shapes in the world. I think they met, might have tossed Judge Griffin on the Justice One during the Apocalypse War, but that might have been the Justice Two. I forget. But anyway, this is very much Possibly. Garth Ennis, um, Judge Dread fan, bringing back some more classics for um, for our consumption here. Mm. I um, I love the callback because again, yeah, you're, you're you're you've been mentioning like, hey, you know, we're really calling back to a bunch, and they, there's a lot here where they name drop. Yeah, no, they, um, they name drop a bunch of like uh, of uh, folks that used to work on the ship. They mention mm-hmm. um, um, Hershey being involved with it, who, who of course was introduced to us during the Judge Child saga on um, 
on the Justice One, for instance. Um, but so anyway, it's fueling up for a five-week patrol to Mega City One's space colonies. A team of street judges will be enforcing the law to these remote locales. I imagine this is like where – or I would guess this is where um, – Lawless eventually takes place, but don't worry about that. That's for, huh? that's a magazine. That's a magazine matter. What? Anyway, <laughs> but this trip will be different. We, we're we're ominously told aboard the ship. The crew does checks and worries about who's going to be leading this trip because apparently Hershey often does and is a real hard ass. This time <laughs> it's not Hershey. It's uh oh. Well, you can guess. That's just dread. Um, he, he talks a bit about the Judge Child quest with the ship's captain. And they, he mentions that the ship's been... And then immediately goes into double hard-ass mode. Yeah. he's you know, Like, the captain talks about the ship having been refitted a couple times and blah, blah, blah. Crew's the best. Everything's good. Ship takes off and Dred's like, all right, everybody get, I, get to work. We got drills. I, I feel like it's such a loaded question when it's like, uh, like, how about the crew? How good are they? Like, is your boss going to see, like... They're not that good, and we've got a couple of people who, uh, you know, not that great. How good's the crew sub subpar, sir? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're cruising at uh, five hundred thousand feet above the uh, Atlantic. Uh, we're about to hit the FDL drive, and uh, the crew is um, subpar at best. But listen, uh, I've, we'll get you I've there. seen I've seen some some especially contentious seasons of the reality show Below Deck, which is about um, <laughs> the crew of a luxury yacht, and I think that sometimes tensions could be high enough that someone would say that like that one blonde purser lady's a real bitch or something like that. That seems in the realm of possibility. Yeah, but, but she's anyway. not manning a station that shoots nuclear missiles. No, but listen, she's got some nuclear hot burns if you cross her. Fox will say that much, all right? Anyway, so many asides. 30-minute Judge Dredd section this week. But um, no, no, I love it. Um, Yeah, Dredd turns into total hard-ass mode, as you say, once they make the jump to light speed. He orders hourly systems checks. And I'll say, as we sort of get to grips with it here, I'm not a huge fan of Doherty's Dredd, I guess. His... The eyes yeah. on his helmet feel vi- like are making a full V kind of look. They're very upturned, I think. Yeah, you have no peripheral vision. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and um, and also he's just – I think he's having a problem. I think a lot of Dread artists do, which is figuring out what's going on with Dread's nose, basically. Because I feel like <laughs> – Sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's not. Yeah, he does sort of transition. He, do, he I feel like he is making that transition to Voldemort a couple times in the course of this story, basically. Um, he, <laughs> he orders the street judges to do the same, you know, be real hard ass. And a few hours later, as the ship cl- uh, starts to clear the solar system, Dread inspects the engines below deck. Things are a bit leaky, and the engineer Hawkins notices a nearby leaky area, um, extra leaky area. He opens a panel, and out pops the body of one of Dread Street judges tied up and mutilated. Boom! It's a real uh, sounds the lambs kind of feel here, you know? It's going nice with a little bit of rope and some Chianti. Exactly. 
So Dredd gathers everyone up. Actually, he's transitioning this to a murder on the Orient Express, I guess. Someone killed- I, I actually love it. It is murder on the FTL Express. Definitely. He says, someone killed Judge Proudfoot and stashed him in this here wall. One of you jerks did it. Uh, it's not and it's not me. It's, it's not no, the dead I love guy. It. So it's got to be one of you. Because somebody definitely is like, but it could be you. And he's like, listen, bitch, it's not me. Also, even if it were, I'm the head fucking judge here. What are you going to do about it? Also, I've saved the city a thousand times. You I'm literally Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, man, uh, God, I love this. But yeah, so basically he does the standard thing here, which is basically says, um, like, everybody is confined to quarters unless you have to be for the purposes of the ship, etc. Um, and then he starts looking around trying to figure out clues, um, knowing that he's going to need special gear to really do this investigation right. Like, usually they'd have um, – because judges have been trained to defeat a lot of the standard investigation tools like lie detectors and things like that. Oh, sure. I, I love his methodology where it's like, I'm taking everybody's gun. I'm going to get in everybody's face. I'm going through all of the like literal places. I've got these two people who are fairly green, two years on the force, Locking them in. Yeah, okay, they're asking me why. Like, you see him eliminating suspects yeah, through like the he, entirety he, of it. Yeah, like, he locks in, He like, the, the street judges, he just sort of locks in their quarters. And he's like, they probably couldn't have done it just because they're, they're really, because um, they've only had a few years on the force. And that's not really enough time for a judge to go bad, basically. <laughs> well, and but but you know that there's a judge, at least one, right? Because one of the lawgivers never gets turned in. He's not mm -hmm. able to really uh, actualize that because the number of lawgivers given should be the number of people alive. Yeah. It's and it and you can't check the serial numbers. All of it, all of it is very. I, I think you're right. It, it is a very murder on the Orient Express. He has limited yeah. information, right? But you're and going through his thought process through the entire thing, which was very compelling. Yeah, we actually see Dredd, like, going around and investigating, which is not not a standard, like, Judge Dredd beat, is what I want to say. Yeah. Like, you know, usually Dredd gets in gunfights. He doesn't really, like, like, so, like I don't want to say he doesn't solve crimes, but, like, he doesn't... Um, He's he not the one who's like cracking the cracking a mysterious case or something like that. Yeah, versus, exactly. Um, you know, usually the baddies kind of present themselves and he kind of shoots them, basically. Well, um, well, that's because well, most of the time they shoot first. It's Get true. Yeah. So, but of and, and indeed, as he checks the vehicle bay, um, he finds a loose drawer and behind it a case seemingly full of civilian clothes. What could this? Oh, uh, oh! And before that, actually, as Dread investigated, we saw two mysterious figures who were pissed. Why couldn't they have stopped Dread? And now have to figure out what to do. Very sort of Tom Tully special here, looking at Dread on view screens and preparing <laughs> to kill him here. Love um, the end of this. Yeah, but so eventually, Dread go finds <clears throat> these clues. Doesn't know what's going on as a mysterious hand with a lawgiver draws a bead on him from behind. Next time on Judge Dread. Battle stations. Beautiful. Ah, uh, what can it mean? We'll find out next next episode. <clears throat> I mean, you'll probably win. 
Probably, I mean, yeah, hopefully. I hope so. You know, he's the main guy. I, uh, I really feel like I'm not going out on a limb here where I feel like Judge Dredd isn't going to get killed uh, in the next episode, Conrad. However, I I like, I I enjoy very much this kind of whodunit dread. Yeah, definitely. I'm yeah, interested it's an interesting, it it's an interesting turn for the character, for sure. So... Yeah, so that in inter- so exciting stuff, exciting cliffhangers, mysterious things. Let's let's go to a let's go to a story where we're getting some answers, oh, Fox. God. Weird though they may is be, it, is, are they answers, Conrad? Maybe, but the questions themselves are so terrifying that you wish you wouldn't know. Thrill to Big Spartan. You're gonna gonna know what the answer is by the end. I guess. Big Spartan script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Jim McCarthy, letting robot Pat Prentice. My boys. Yeah. So this dude, Fox Keefe, he's a single-celled human and can produce asexually. He's been taken prisoner by cannibals in South London, and they're making him pop out doubles like crazy for the purposes of eating. And so we enter in on us being in a bathroom. Meanwhile, Big Spartan and Agent Weep are standing in a sentient public bathroom planning next steps. She wants to destroy all these bathrooms and is priming some plastic explosives when the whole place rumbles and shakes. And Bix notices something and reaches deep into a commode and finds a small statuette of Keef, which is which is curious. And if he moves it a certain just... way, it vibrates. And rather than ditching this obvious custom butt plug, Dix and Weep <laughs> follow the vibrations to a huge crater in London. Sorry. I'm glad you said it and not me, because it definitely felt butt plug-ish. We all know. Like, why, why else would it be in the poop place? That's right. So, um, so I come out your peeper. <laughs> they head to this crater where the cannibals have moved their Keef reproduction operation. While they're distracted for some reason, Bix and Weep go to snag Keef, but the cannibals then catch them. Things seem bad until a bright white light appears and a giant gentleman's convenience oh, lands God. before them. Oh, dear. I, I just... <laughs> Bix Martin just had a giant gentleman's... Giant space tur- turlet just appearing before them. I just, I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> Yeah, just let it wash I, over I am, I am proud that they did it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't spent... understand why. I just, I love space toilet. As I a feel concept. very Jurassic Park about it, Fox, where you spent so much time trying to figure out if you could, you didn't think stop to think if you should. You know. All right, there, fucking ah. Sarah Jessica Parker. No, what was his name? Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> there we go. Sarah Jessica Parker. As Ian Malcolm. Anyway, a giant space lavatory has landed in South London. <laughs> Bix tries to keep Keefe back from it, but is tossed in but gets tossed inside of it instead and goes through what can only be called a bathroom themed 2001 a space odyssey style. I, trip. I mean he does see himself taking a poopy on the toilet. Yes, or at least sitting on the toilet without pantering a newspaper. You don't know if the actual if the kids are in fact actually left off at the dropped off at the pool. One would hope. I mean Sad enough time to read the paper and read the text peeling off the wall. 
sometimes you just want to sit in a place privately for a little while. You don't want people to ask you questions about I it. Don't need, I don't know if you need to dilate your sphincter in order to do that. You don't know how people relax. Um, <laughs> that's that. That, Conrad. Hashtag fair. Mm. The cannibals try to kidnap Keef again, but all the Keefs are now start fighting together and whatever. As the as the giant to toilet turns blue, inside Bix wanders the hall of the giant Lou and suddenly understands what's going on. He's then sucked into the toilet continuum and thus through the world of toilet realities. Soon he's stumbling out with a sack of something back into the real world, and from this sack he pulls out a toilet janitor's cap. And hands it to Keith, saying, "Soon he will understand." I, I feel like this was condescending. <sighs> Definitely. Listen, there's a there's a lot of targets being made fun of in the course of this story. It's like public washrooms, people who work in public washrooms, because those and the people entire, are, are essential yeah, people, and the entirety of people who live in South London as well. That's also true. <laughs> But yeah, listen, janitors perform an essential service, buddy. Like, if you don't want to clean the toilet, someone's got to. So, you know, have some respect. Like, I feel like being the butt of a joke, being like, you're the guy that cleans the intergalactic poopers, you know? That's a steady union job. I don't see why I should be the subject of fun. <sighs> same, same. Yeah. Know your name. <laughs> the hat fits perfectly and... Bix explains that Keith isn't from Earth, but, you know, and just get back in the toilet, we're done. But Michael <laughs> yeah, Caine like, forces him to explain like, more. Literally, like, stop thinking about it. Just go back in there and do your job. But, yeah, uh, Keith, I, Michael Caine um, requires some backstory. And we basically learn that there's a race of, inter of uh, living toilets that travel the galaxy having philosophical conversations and occasionally improving the sanitary conditions of primitive so, planets. So we're, we're actualizing why we're subjugating this person into the position that they are where they are literally cleaning toilets, even though they're sentient being toilets. Eric Von Daniken's yeah. new book, Toilets of the Gods. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it really feels, this feels more dismissive than anything else. It it made me feel, I, like nah, a better fine. word, filthy. He likes it. By the end of this. I all mean. Those, yeah, all these toilets are maintained by a janitor, and that janitor is Keith Clone, janitor of the stars. I, he probably didn't feel much about the clones that he was sneezing out for the fucking, for the cannibals at that point. Yeah. But then a plague sweeps through the Keefs, killing almost all of them and sending the toilets dirty and feral. They're all drawn to South London, where apparently gross toilets are just where they're in their natural habitat. At the same, um, and they've been hypnotizing people to be evil ever since. The only surviving Keef also landed on Earth and was raised as some sort of bathroom Superman, you know, by <laughs> adopted parents, etc. I, I did, I did like the Superman parallel. Not yeah. gonna lie. Recently started to hear the call of the toilets, and here we are. Keith returns right. to the bogs, um, grabbing a mop as he does, and the toilet flies off. The cannibals, then free of these influences, resolve to become good citizens and join a government youth employment scheme. Bix doesn't care, and soon he and Weep are back at the Department of the Irrational. With the toilet problems solved, Weep's kind of at a loss for what to do with her life. 
Um, until Bix gets a call, as it seems, the Isle of Wight has become interesting. Ah, I don't get it. So, let's anyway, All they right. go to check it out, bringing Agent Weep along. We might need you on this one. And that's the end. Man, I can't wait for the Zack Snyder cut of the... Uh, that's right. Of, of the origin story of the bloated case. Yeah, I'm tired of these... Of re- the re- fatted Keeve. <laughs> I mean, just like, um, just like it, we're going back to that old, that uh, like a classic prog aspect ratio and stuff. It'll be solid. Um, oh my god! Oh wow! That almost went over my head, and I love you. Yeah, because the comics have gotten like t- like like slimmer and taller. No, exactly. What we need to do is is pinch everything down and make sure that uh, all the money that a studio spent will be recouped by me. Just. Uh, yeah, putting give out a me, new version of that same film. Give me a billion dollars. Anyway, that's it. Um, Big Spartan's got one last adventure in him. Fox, this is the this is the end of the penultimate Big Spartan. Is is this going to be the episode that we leave off on here, or is it going to be a completely different? Like I don't we know. forget about I, Weep. I completely forget. Um, and we'll probably forget about all of this, too, because the next adventure will be in late 1994. So probably about oh two years. Oh, my God. Two prog years from now. <laughs> oh, my God. So funny. Okay. 1991 had so many Bix Bartons, and now it's just like, all right, we'll see you in a couple years. Moving on, we've got better shit to do. Yeah. Like- before then, we'll see both of these guys working on a new Bad Company story, and also Jim McCarthy will be doing The Grudge Father, which is one of the more 1990s of 2000 AD in oh. the 1990s. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. It is not good. And speaking <laughs> of which, let's continue to Thrill 3 Trash. Oh, you really didn't want me to have a break between this and that, did you? That's what, that's how they, that's they program them, you know? Script robot Paul Kupperberg, art robot Nigel Dobbin, lettering robot Gib. Jib. Remember that, remember that one time, Conrad, that you were entangled in a thorny root that was talking to you and then it shocked your nervous system? But then someone else wanted to napalm that nervous system and then it didn't really matter for like I don't like the progs. implication that I'm that I'm Agent Trash Fox. It <laughs> sounds insulting to be Conrad, honest. Conrad, Conrad, we're both Agent Trash. <laughs> Trask. <laughs> well, oh, excuse me. There's a uh... Trask. Trask in name, trash indeed. All right. Oh. So last time we saw Garbage Man Trask captured by the Green, a giant plant computer system a giant plant hardwired it was a real whoopsie doodle don't put copper wires inside of plants or else they're going to gain do what i want anyway it's bent on destroying all of humanity and it's already connected to the 1992 version of the internet i guess and it's uh, psychically (laughs) sparring with trash over humanity's future i again it it reconciles this by saying that it's got wires inside of itself I'll say I just – I don't think in 1992 that you could connect to all the things that it connects to. Nowadays, no. I think you could. Yeah. I don't think you could then, <laughs> you know? No, what are you going to do? It's like, oh, I can call some guy's, like, car phone. 
or maybe yeah, like, like you're like you're a doing, shitty cell phone you're what you you're do crank p- calls exactly yeah your roots are somehow connecting to the dial-up modem that can take over both the atc and the nuclear power plant system i'm skeptical mm, no no um, anyway <laughs> It sort of talks to it sort of talks about how it's going to kill everybody psychically to trash and then I guess zaps him with his own space taser or something leaves him <laughs> no, for dead. It's <laughs> It's definitely a thorn-based taser system through a vine well, root network. It pulls uh, it pulls a deal uh, off of his belt and then it electrocutes him. So I think it's a part of his it, trash it, man gear. Again, I don't None of this deserves more thought than we're putting into it. Yeah, no, I'm trying to move on. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I hate it. Yeah. An Air Force major is being flown over the greenhouse-like Central Park as evil corporate type uh, by evil corporate type Wildside. He's asking the Air Force to burn the place to the ground, I guess, via napalm and Agent Orange, etc. Back underground, trashing the green swap backstories it seems he's a rare human interest in helping the environment <laughs> also it, here's the thing the the green already knows the backstory that we don't get about tarsk mm-hmm. we just get the other side of the deal because it already downloaded it's it's so it's so stupid yeah it's fine Anyway, uh, yeah, it's a biocomputer made super strong and connected to, again, 1982 internet. Or I guess the fu- future vision of the f- – I guess this d- does take place in the future now that I'm thinking about it. Listen, but still, there, like- there, are, there are computer monitor readouts and wires that go from that to the other thing. I like to imagine there's some of those uh, big supercomputers with like the tapes inside them that sort of spin around. I, I like I- that era of computing. <laughs> okay, so first, yes – and also what I loved about the computers that they showed, there were just consoles with like a hundred buttons all in gridded shape next to each other. And I'm like, well, how do you know which button to press when you need to press it? There are no labels on them. So you just you know. have to know. Yeah. There's probably a big binder that you look through and stuff. Anyway, all of this <laughs> narration <laughs> of... um narration of computers becoming sentient stuff just feels like a big ripoff of uh, Terminator 2, basically. Like, in terms of how you phrase it and stuff, like when when Arnold gives the big, like, Cyberdyne Skynet backstory thing, like, you know, in July 4th, oh, yeah. on July 4th, uh, Cyberdyne Skynet was activated, it became in, it became sentient in five minutes, that, that kind of thing, you know. And you totally do it because I came here, it's my fault. But yeah. I already knew that because I'm from the I, I should say Termi- Terminator 2 generally casts a shadow all over 2000 AD this year. Um, uh. Trask tries to argue with the green about its plan to kill everybody as Wildside argues with the Air Force major about not firebombing New York City. The major eventually, though, gets on the horn and suddenly a wing of attack helicopters is flying overhead preparing to engage the park. Uh, cue music. Etc. Yeah, well, indeed, the music, the, uh, let's not, I don't, listen, Fox, I'm tired of music. I want to hear the, uh, the news as a lady in a oh, blue pajama God. No, well, wakes it's Huey up. Lewis in the news. It's that you just weren't reading it right. Oh, my God. Now I'm imagining this news report <laughs> that we hear at the start of the story. In the, the news tune. at this hour, the city continues to experience a rash of ex- unexplained computer malfunctions. 
I mean, there's some deep lyrics there. Yeah, to the tune of, like, I want a new drug or something. Anyway, Ooh. woman in blue pajamas wakes up next to her clock radio and newscaster. Lazed... Yeah, she's got ma- monogrammed PJs, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. As the newscaster lays down the background of the story and some lore and recaps the situation in Central Park, her apartment's got a giant air purification unit, which chugs and braps. And finally, she looks out the window just in time to see a whole bunch of attack helicopters flying through the canyons of New York City. Love the smell of napalm in the morning. Wildside demands that uh, the park be attacked as the green once more attacks Trask. When he tries to stop it from taking out the helicopters, pulls out a very small bomb from his pocket and flicks it at the green. That was a mistake, it says. As one of the chopper pilots gets a weird reading and then I guess their helicopter explodes, it's not clear what exactly happens. At the same time, Trask pulls a boot knife and pulls himself, cuts himself free from the yeah. vines, throwing another bomb behind him as he escapes into the sewers. He's been using the term aced a lot and will continue to for the rest of the story, which generally means to kill or succeed over, I guess. Like, oh, this guy, ace. I got to ace this guy before he can ace me and I get aced out of the garbage men. Um, (laughs) I hope he doesn't ace me if I'm not looking. Yeah, kick some ace. The choppers have all crashed onto the greenhouse ceiling of Central Park. And a ragged Trask arrives at the corporate base looking for Wildside, but he's not here. He's off to get hold of some toxic herbicides. Nah, man, he's about to get trashed over at the garbage dump. I will say I feel like all herbicides are toxic sort of inherently. That's why they kill the plants and stuff like that. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, just don't get Roundup too close to your junk. That's what I know. I mean, you know, wash your hands in between uses and then junk touching. That's my sovereign remedy. <laughs> don't don't just rub herbicide on your ding dong. I mean, not unless you're ready for it. You know, you got to well, build up, <laughs> do some deep breathing exercises or something. Rub some Kabali crystals. Around. Yeah, why not? Trask freshens up and has some banter with <laughs> his really- ship's computer. He really does take the time to freshen up a yeah. his ship after a murder plant came after well, him. Yeah, and he's flying from Manhattan, or sorry, let, 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 he's flying after Wildside, so he's got time. You know, you can't just sit there dirty. Um, he recaps the story as we see the green system reach out and compromise JFK Airport's air traffic control systems. They tell the planes to keep their current headings, but some of these planes are worryingly close together. And I don't see how this squares with the fact that we've also got flying cars and stuff, which you'd think would not would have needed a more advanced ATC system than this one we see, which is just sort of the regular one. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I know a lot about air. Tra- I got a couple friends who are air traffic controllers, so I I, I, I got I know, weird I loved, inside information. I loved all of that. <laughs> Wildside lands in Davis, West Virginia, a real life small town there with 660 people on the Blackwater River. Um, unlike the relatively civilized and basically the same New York City, they've gone full Mad Max here. Their whole town's just a big landfill, which Wildside is here to pay them to raid for some specific, uh, I guess, some herbicides that they've got in drums or whatever. I mean, he's there to be like, I'm here to make a deal and I'm the bad man. I'm quite rich 
and I am ready to steal everything. Please don't do a Home Alone one on me. Whoa, that could be a lot of things. I Listen, man, like with that much junk, you're going to find a hot iron to smash into someone's face. Absolutely. So Trask looks on from a distance, and I guess he and then remembers that staffer back in the city telling him that Wildside's looking for this toxin that would render Central Park barren of life forever. <laughs> Just Central Park or all life? Well, I mean, I guess maybe everything within, uh, you know, on the island of Manhattan, really. But outside I, the park, like, you're just going to kill a lot of potted plants and stuff. I'm just going to say, probably worth the risk. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like if there's a giant... it's just that localized area where there's a murder plant that wants to kill all human life. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, you know, we don't know this world, but it seems like... I wish they, they would tell us more if there was some sort of catastrophe that killed all the plants or something like that yeah because exactly if things are just dirty and there's like and i don't know it's i guess glo- it's implying global warming has done stuff but i don't know central park still seems pretty lush is what i'm trying to say it's just there's not a lot it of space also for feels it. fairly small compared to the rest of the planet <sighs> central park buddy come on <laughs> you're right new york am i right can- can make it there you can plant it anywhere you know <laughs> anyway suddenly a bunch of trash gets dumped on trash and he's got to beat up a bunch of randos but once he does he has to talk to their leader okay so wild side watches as the herbicide is unearthed belly aching at these neo primitives as trask makes his way over seems he put together a posse of garbage dudes to help him take out trash as garbage dudes um Meanwhile, at a nearby nuclear facility, the containment power is draining quickly, which doesn't seem good at all. They're sort of doing, you know, your Chernobyl things here. Um, they go to override as Trask begins to the attack against Wildside. He misses an initial shot, blowing off some random's head, uh, which is pretty solid. <laughs> and then it's melee time. The two of them run and gun as Wildside also forces the locals to keep digging up that pesticide. I mean, I guess... Right? Yeah. Or are you Even- doing it? Definitely. He eventually pulls out a thermite bomb, which is second only to Limpet Mines is my my favorite comic book only yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. We're not attaching it specifically to something, but it is something that we can use to make a big explosion. Definitely. Yeah, it's good sort of sort of generalized term for an explodey thing. You know, Batman uses a lot of thermite, as I recall. Um Anyway, oh, but he sets it off here. Not only would it kill folks, but it also set the dump on fire and, you know, unleashing untold chemical death into the atmosphere. You can't do that. Trask is forced to surrender. Wildside gets his chemicals and then throws the grenade. Oh, you liar. Oh, I'm so (laughs) glad we did that together. Definitely. Next time, Fox, a greener shade of pale. Trash. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they set themselves up for it, but I feel like we can all make an app, make a it's aptly named kind of joke. It's fine. It mm. was uh, it was the one I didn't want to read the most. Yeah. No, for sure. Not not great. Let's talk about it a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we'll have time to detail what's not greatness um, later in the show, if you take my meaning. But for now, let's go to non-thrills, covers, and setters. Yay. It's my favorite part. Yeah. Prog 7, maybe. Prog 764, let's start this new year with an extremely 1992 <laughs> cover with Dave oh, Dantiki providing pictures of voodoo stuff and Brigand Doom in a, in a mock-up These of are all the, the classic. Mac- 
These are all yeah. the Mac like uh, boxes, right? Yeah, the Mac OS like a uh, GUI setup, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, little info windows with a bunch of fonts, and there's even a little Doom uh, trash can down in the bottom <laughs> corner of it. There, <laughs> that's right. It's fun. I feel like it's good, and I just you know it it, it evokes a time when this comic's coming out that you sort of go for, I guess. Yeah, no, I I it's because it, I absolutely got it, and I was like, oh, I remember this yeah what things used to look like in the nerve center tharg reflects on the year that was and igroid plugs judgment on gotham um in the nerve center there's a pretty or in the uh in the input page is a pretty sweet profile picture of joe pineapples and a very inky looking judge death letters ask what dread does with the hiccups question political statements in strontium dog say they like say everybody likes revere for the tits and um, that Chief what? Judge Magruder looks like Wurzel Gummidge, which is a kids, a British kids show about a terrifying skeleton man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like um, Revere because it has the, an occasional naked lady in it. I mean, kind of. I don't know if it's fat material. No, but well, man, I think, you know, maybe because you're like only you're uh, um, two or three years um, um, younger than me, Fox. But you gotta know, like in 1992. Oh no, they were hard to find, my man. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just also, it's also well. I mean, you know a person who buys you a mag, but like again, I don't know if like someone getting their neck slit in the next panel over. You know what I mean? Nah, I mean it's again like like, slain. I could understand slain, like the last slain shit that we saw. Where it's like definitely boob. Um, Gotta listen. You just gotta like. That's why you've got so many damaged people from the era, Fox, because they had to do what they could. Yeah, Um, no, you pass around your VHS tapes, man. I know. mm -hmm. The prog ends with an ad for the horror movie Nine Seven Six Evil Two. This isn't actually a movie. I doubt it. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, nope. it absolutely is. There is the, there's no way someone would name their movie this. I mean, I'm I can, I can, it. I can link you the entire movie on YouTube if you wish. <sighs> yes, please do. That's exactly how I like my movies. I'll also say that the name of this movie doesn't even make goddamn sense in England, Fox. Like they don't have nine seven. That's not how their phone numbers are. Oh yeah. No, they're not. Because in America, 976 was like an alternate version of, um, was an alternate version of like a 900, like, like, like a, a pay number, basically. Well, hold on. Hold on. That's there I, you go. That's a break away. <clears throat> oh, thank you, by the way. That's, that's 976 going... Evil. It's got a different tagline also. I, I, um, I know I'm it was going released to sleep tonight because I need In the noise. U.S., it was called the Astral Factor or something. So... All right. My phone number isn't immediately showing up, but I, I, I'll say it. It's four numbers first, yeah. if I remember correctly, and then five or six numbers after that. Whereas ours yeah. is three, three, four, or three, two, yes. four. Three three, three, four. three, three, four. Yeah. So I get that. But I'm into watching this movie. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it looks Nine, like Grinfo numbers seven, are, are, are five and six. I don't know, but whatever. Anyway, um, Prog 765, Green and Mean, Trash Man Trask, deals with hostile plant life in a cover by Nigel Dobbin. In the Nerve Center, Tharg's recovering from New Year's, and Igroid has a bunch of teases of upcoming thrills, including Skiz, The Clown, and Button Man. 
There's also a nice obituary here for comics writer and editor Sid Bicknell, who recently consulted on the 2080 action special, which we'll be talking about later in the year before he passed away. Mid-issue, there's a big ad for Forbidden Planet showing, pointing out their locations all over the British Isles. Yeah, you know. that took me a moment just because that negative space thing kind of freaks my eyes out. For yeah, a it's, it's a kind of map where the water somehow ha- where the water of the map has more definition than the land of the map. I guess um, the input page is a big color picture of Judge Terminator, like a Arnie with exposed metal head and hand and stuff, and two letters accusing another writer of, be- of basically the 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 credits of different writers to the Nerve Center being mixed up in a previous issue. Oh no. Yeah, a third letter also sings the praises of the LRD, a mug you'd love to hug. Woohoo! Um, and the prog ends with a very rainy dread titled On Duty, and he's wearing like a duster and has a rifle I, and stuff. I it's love cool. it, man. Yeah, it's a very like sort of out in the cursed earth kind of Judge Dredd mm. by artist Stuart Janet. Janet, something like that. Yeah, definitely. Proc 766, it's murder out there. Peter Doherty draws Dread and the Justice One out on Space Patrol. In the Nerve Center, Tharg's excited about the fall of the Iron Curtain and the opening of Eastern Europe to more trade opportunities. Tharg dreams of a united Europe, UK included, but is it worth it if your passport isn't the right color, Tharg? That's a question I'd like to ask you from 25 years in the future. Anyway, uh, Igroid is similarly Europhilic, um, suggesting stories like Air Trooper and Policia Dread, etc. Okay. He also announces the start of the Judge Dread Monthly, which will reprint Dread's adventures from Prague to onwards in chronological order. Speaking um, of phallic, mm, there's also a big ad for the coming of Skiz Two later this episode. Oh. And the input page is pictures of Judge Bullet and a there nearby Judge Logic. I I mean, we will put Judge Bullet in some very heavy quotation marks there. Yeah, he's got, got a right. fancy mustache and he is looking for orifices. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> to make them or to break them. Mm. Letters ask how letters are chosen and why Judgment on Gotham came out in the U.S. first, Shakes Fist. Details mm. on a dread uh, – on, on a uh, – Fancy dress, dread costume, requests for a 2080 cap, and appreciation of the artwork in, in the uh, recent democracy stories. The prog ends with a lovely pinup by Richard Dolan of the Mean Machines. And there's Mean Angel and a stately Reliant Robin. Both hey, have only not? three wills or limbs, I guess. You know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> prog 767. What's happening? What, what happened next? Skiz starts inside. I ate some low-fat yogurt, and now I'm exiled onto a planet. Yeah. I really like that the sec- that Skiz now has two eyes, like a Roman numeral in the middle of it. You know, mm. I like him, like uh, built-in numbers, you know, like Taken when the E was a three. Love that shit. Oh, God. Like a ver- I, I, I made a poster for Fast and the Furious 4 where the... F's were were fours. It didn't even make sense, but it's amazing. Um, Taken too too many times. Yeah, that's that's what it should have been called. By the way, <laughs> too taken, too turious. Jim Bakey <laughs> draws both the spacesuited interpreter and the low fat yogurt that has caused him so much difficulty in this cover. In the Nerve Center, um, Tharg talks about the era of Skiz One back in 1983 and the transition from Alan Moore to Jim Bakey. 
Igroid has more info, including an elevator pitch recap of the story, and shows pictures of a judgment on Gotham signing, complete with Judge Dredd cosplayer hidden in the back there. I love that guy. Um, Midprog, there's a clearly labeled advertorial for the Sega Game Gear TV tuner. Oh, God. <laughs> featuring Judge Dredd artwork by Dermot Power. Um, and then the input page has pictures of Judge Mario and a tiny baby uh, Dredd in a helmet. Best judge ever <laughs> is Judge Mario. It's really hey, well it's done. A, it's a me. You're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> it's a me. I'm the Gestapo. This era of Mario didn't even talk, though. We didn't. We wouldn't know about his voice yet for several years. Oh, you're right. That's when he's a doctor. So, um, letters accuse Universal Soldier of ripping off a Dragonlance novel, while another knows that actually Kelly's Eye is a classic British comic. There's a pretty incomprehensible letter about prawn sandwiches and requests for a 2000 AD-based baby name. Tharg suggests Tharg and compliments for the cover of Prog 760. And this prog ends with a 2000 AD good shopping guide, which is just a bunch of uh, various ads for different comic book shops and comic mail order things and stuff like that. Fox, I should I forgot to do it at the start, but I um this seems like, like a good time to just talk about what's going on in behind the scenes in nineteen ninety two. Sure. For uh two thousand AD. The big thing is that at the end of towards the end of ninety one in November, the owner of the publishing company that published 2000 AD, uh, Maxwell, uh, Robert Maxwell, uh, died suddenly. He was like uh, drowned on on a yacht someplace. Jesus. And because his daughter is a uh, conspiracy famous uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, there's well. sort of a lot of uh, speculation about international intrigue as part of that death. But anyway. Um I, I I won't comment right yeah, now. Yeah, no, let's keep going. I definitely. I got I got to con- listen. Message me if you want to hear my conspiracy theory. I, I think it's pretty fun. It involves oh, 2000 AD. Um but because but after that to um the publishing company's been or 2000 AD basically has been bought by I believe a Dutch company and is now or either Dutch or Danish is now being integrated into their corporate structure and that's basically what they're doing in the course of October ah. 1992. Um, one big thing, but the, the bigger thing than just sort of corporate machinations is that 2000 AD is starting to lose readers precipitously in 1992. Um, I mean, that's the 90s in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of it, um, earlier in this, I talked about, they, they launched this Judge Dredd Monthly. Um, which is sort of re- replaying all of the uh, Dread stories from the start, which is cool, but ends up cannibalizing readers of their 2000 AD monthly comic. So, yeah, like, I'd sort imagine. Of 2000 AD was selling about 40,000 copies a year or 40,000 a month before it came out. And when both of them were out, they sold about 50,000 total. So, moderate. Um, a big push was there basically. Um, behind, like the editors are sort of have a big point about um, we kids have to learn to read comics, basically. <laughs> like, like it's well, but but just like if you want an eighteen-year-old, a, a, a sixteen to twenty-year-old to read two thousand A.D., you've got to start them having the idea that comics are a thing that I like to read when they're like you know eight years old or something like that. Yeah. And so there was, yeah, so there was a push to create a new comic for sort of a younger audience. 
Um, and it got pretty deep into the planning stages, but uh, was eventually canceled, but was eventually sort of uh, scrubbed without being released. Okay. Basically, because it just like the uh, the the corporate type sort of did a lot of uh, test marketing, and it didn't seem like there was a market there for that comic. Basically, mm. and it became one of these things where like oh like we could have gone to the mats and gotten it published, but if it was a failure, then they would we would have all just been fired basically. And so, oh, you know, had to be oh. done. You know, it was it was one of these things where it's like yeah, like you could like will like you know like. Uh, Steve McManus is sort of quoted in Thrill Power Overload as saying, as essentially saying, we could have gone to the mats and, you know, made a big stink and, and gotten it published. But if it had failed, then they would have just, it would, there would have been a, po- a pogrom and we all would have been fired, basically. Oh, God, that's horrible. And all the marketing made it pretty clear that, like, it would not, like, unless there was some sort of light, light like a lightning strike moment, it wouldn't have been that successful, you know? Oh well, you know, when Behind you make a big scenes, deal and man. call in, yeah, and call in favors to get something to happen, it's got to pay off. You know, I mean, that's just sort of how, it, you know, when people say, hey, it's on your head, sometimes that means it, when it fails, it's on your head, it's fought, you're fired, you know. Um, we'll see one or two of the comics from like, like that sort of started production for that, um, for that proposed comic in the pages of 2000 AD, we've got a Pat Mills one called Dynosity, I believe, which is about dino- about um, royal machinations within alien dinosaurs in about oh, a year or two, I think. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> and I think there might be some more stuff in specials or something, but otherwise it's sort of lost to ignominy. Um, anyway, but yeah, but that's sort of what's going on behind the scenes right now is sort of sales are down and there's a struggle to try to figure out how to get them back up. And it's, it's, it's challenging and we'll see how it continues to work as time goes on. Oh, geez. I mean, they're still around. Yeah, no, I mean, they've made it this far, although, you know, I mean, (laughs) Like, it, it is weird because sometimes I think 2080 is mostly around just more because Rebellion has a couple <laughs> really rich guy owners and he just kind of wants 2080 to still exist. Yeah. As opposed to any sort of profitability or anything That's like awesome. that. That's awesome. It's In good. Yeah, definitely. Although there is a worry of what happens when that, you know, <laughs> desire runs out or something. Hmm. Uh, I just want to say... um this comic I was talking about is called Earthside 8. I forgot about the title, but that's what it is. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of weirdos on Earth, Fox. Oh, God. Let's go to... Let's do some voodoo with Drill for Brigand Doom. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait for some, some hoodoo voodoo. That's right. Skip some drill. backfiring voodoo. It's the worst kind. The only kind, actually. Script robot Alan McKenzie. Art robot Dave DeAntiki. Letting robot Annie Parkhouse. Brigand Doom took some time off after a strong start in 1991, in part due, I think, to its black and white nature. Now it's back. Though, Fox, I should mention, actually, that we got an episode of it in the 1991 special. Okay. Um, like so many Alan McKenzie written story, Brigand Dune has, will ha- has and will have an extensive history in specials and annuals, which was just a very brief, like, um, the inspect, in, 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 investigator nine was visited by the ghost of Brigand Doom and just sort of saw the people in the city have it rough sometimes, basically. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely the through line here, I feel like. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's 15 minutes to swing shift in the city. Citizens had better either be working or asleep in this urban landscape full of smoke 1984 uh, uh, Uber text, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. With um, where employment is compulsory and there's penalties for being out on the streets late at night. One such man is wearing glasses and trying to avoid the cops, but really should be avoiding some of these dang zombies wandering over the morgue. I've got these zombies, man. I love this black and white comic. (laughs) He thinks about reporting them, but of course he's out on the street as well, so, you know, he can't risk. (laughs) Don't report zombies on the street if you're also not supposed to be on the street, ding dong. Yeah, come on. Use your brain. Um, So instead he runs. Elsewhere, Investigator 9 is undergoing a Zoom tribunal about the killing of Brigand Doom in her apartment. I've seen, listen. So topical. 1992 version of a Zoom meeting here, just a bunch listen, of uh, screens yelling at her. How do you know the mayor was actually taking money, Investigator 9? Like, you can't mm-hmm. just say that, even though you've got the super drugs to prove. Yeah. She talks about And the, the ca- body and the firsthand account. Like, why even hire these people? if you're just gonna be like that's not correct because you gotta cover up for your evil utopia you know what's going on here come on i I mean yeah the only thing they're missing is the v for vendetta shit i mean there is v for vendetta yeah like the wandering the street like the the dangers of wandering the streets at night feels very v for vendetta i must say Mm -hmm. um so uh, she talks about the chemical inhaler drugs that Doom was taking and has questions about the identity of the sinner. Again, they are two, and I'm just going to call this guy Doom, even though I don't really say his name specifically. Um, I will say there's some lazy art in the course of this comic, Fox. Um, there's this one page where the face of one of these um, questioner guys is repeated five times on one mm-hmm. page. Like with the same, you know, exactly the same down to the background and stuff like that. I, I will say, though, on the next two pages, without, because you know me, no words, just pictures. They get the job done. So I I get the rush job that may have happened here in order to. It, I guess. Well, because it's like it's like 12 panels on one of them. Like, I mean, listen, I like. And, and an keep occasion- in mind, 12 of those panels. Half of them are the same man's face yeah, looking like, as like, well, well, you know, well, like I think, where's the body? Do you have I the think, body? Are you quite sure? Yeah, I mean, I think like repeated panels and this kind of, that kind of like deconstructed um, uh, comic layout and stuff with beats and things like that can be cool. But it also does feel lazy. You can't have half lazy. of them be the same face. It's too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Too much. In the city morgue, though, some dang zombies. Oh, no. When you move... guess who, it's a mystery. Yeah. Move is it, through the corpse on pallets. Does he have a frowny face? Ooh, I'm flipping down my pictures of dudes here. <laughs> Figure out who it could be. But eventually is... they do, of course, find the body of his doom and take it with them out into the night. These zombies are about to make another zombie. <sighs> Zombies making zombies. It's very, very, very sad. I'm just going to call it right now. I think they're going to probably regret doing that. No. 
Yeah, yeah, probably. In a very trendy apartment in the city, complete with tons of, like, African statuary and a zebra and print z- couch. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy that you mentioned the zebra print sca- yeah. couch because couch. it's so prominent. And <laughs> just a giant disc-based this, hi-fi. A dude, this, yeah, this is a dude who's like, uh, he is literally, it's it belongs in a museum antagonist of... Indiana Jones? Oh, yeah. No. Except for the couch is... that he got from Ikea. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, he, he took the animals from Africa. He, like, this is the, this is who, like, uh, like, like Killmonger in, 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 uh, Black Panther got like oh, 20 of his, yeah. of his, of his dots from killing guys like this, basically. Um, <laughs> but so, He's in a smoking jacket with those, like, padded lapel things, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and I know. It's not even just a, a quite a vest. It's just a douchebag. Yeah, or quilted, I guess. And he meets his zombie minions returning with Doom's body. He proposes a team up to Doom's corpse, though Doom isn't in a position to consent again. Reused art well, here I mean, to show the dead Zoom sitting there. Yeah, he's just dead. And he. Uh, what I love about this particular scene he puts a wine goblet and like a bowl of things to eat in his hands and he has like music playing the whole time and i'm like you know you know this is a villain that i could be like all right knows how to party give you some wine maybe some cashews or something it's solid even even when you're just a corpse that's being propped up in his house yeah. So he offers to return Doom to life and maybe even give him free will eventually. He's just got to follow orders for a little bit. And it seems Doom agrees and the man turns on, turns up the volume on his hi-fi, puts on a weird mask, and it's showtime. I mean, he does shove tiny little spiders inside of his wounds. Now, here's the thing, and I'm calling it right now. Uh, Brigand Doom was obviously still alive. And he's okay with spiders going in his little bullet <laughs> Here's what I want to say, Fox. All right? It's like after midnight on a weeknight, all right? Don't keep that volume down, buddy. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah, you don't just have doom, 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 doom. And then, like, you know. Uh, as someone as someone who's lived in an apartment. Discount Bill Maher, like, <laughs> dancing around you the whole time, you know? Absolutely. As someone who's lived in an apartment where the people above me get up and go to work every night at 2 a.m., I can tell you that I'm sensitive to noises late at night, Fox. No good. Yeah, um, no, it's really rude. It's a fucking rude thing. And I try to be sensitive to them just like, sleep. Not, not just, like, like, getting up things, but, you know, again, Bill Maher, stop talking, and then also stop resurrecting people, Bill Maher, New rule, I'm bringing people back to life whenever I want to. Elsewhere, it seems Nine has gotten word of Doom's body being taken, and that's quite disturbing. Um, he can't just have walked away, but elsewhere we see him standing up as this voodoo dude says he's done it, and now Doom do- can do that voodoo that he do so well. Get it from that that one line that everybody quotes. We know it. From the song. Fox, it's nine minutes to prime shift, and we see a dude rushing out the door of his apartment without his lunch. (laughs) You know, if if you didn't think that this world sucked and that that Brigand Doom didn't have a reason to make this world unsuck, this whole section of the comic is for you. Yeah, it seems like in this world, if you're late, for like twice a month, you get fined, and this guy Gray is no, on his fiscal, way to work pushing through there's, crowds. There's not a fiscal quarter. 
or like fiscal a fiscal month. year. There's a fiscal month. That's so right. it's like, oh, you're fucking late twice and you're and you're trying to do like due diligence on your work. Like, go fuck yourself. The only thing you need to do is do it fast and get it to the people behind you next. Yeah, and he like, gets. Yeah, I I I feel like I feel very much. I understand what they're trying to go for. This is actually the biggest weakness to me is like showing I'm accountant man and I I think that we should do uh, the numbers twice and like like do all this. I'm like, yes, you should. But also, I don't know if this drives your point home as much as you think it should. Does that I'm make on the sense? boss's side. I got to say. Well, it's like you're you're super late and other people are 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 relying on your work. Motherfucker. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, so he gets in right on time, but his boss is waiting for him and yells at him and basically says that he's doing his work too slow and he's being too careful. And like, that's bullshit because he's got people down the line that exist just to correct the mistakes that he makes. So just keep things up because you're holding, we got a dime holding up a dollar here and you're the dime. All right. That's it. So, I mean, the, the real, the real question I have with this is if it's wrong, then technically their job is to fix it, right? Yeah. And and that's what keeps them having a job is them fixing all of your problem, right? Yeah. Uh, let me let me say two things, Fox. This was very much my attitude during the brief period when I was a games developer and I got in trouble for it. Um, and I said like, Ooh. "Hey, why do we have QA if we don't have give them send them bugs to fix?" But also, I'll say that, "Hey, I'm slow because I'm taking time to be careful." Is also the excuse of someone who is just slow and not very good at their job. <laughs> no, I Can mean you that's ask me? I, it is it is fair. <laughs> I'm just simply saying that maybe we don't use like an accountant for this and there's um, maybe a better example out there like say I mean gee I don't know comic book artists oh shit that's like, that stuff like quite literally they could have been like they could have you know peeled back the the curtain a little bit been like hey listen man if you don't get this script out they can't do their art right while I, 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 I do, in fact, love the uh, fourth wall breaking burns and stuff like that, I do think that having it be an accountant does add to this um, yeah, 19, no, 1984 Brazil sort of other side of the dystopia that we're working I, with. I'm yeah, definitely the there section. with you. Like, cause this, is, this is someone uh, coming from a point of someone who's like, I love Brigand Doom. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. I love this comic book. This is the weakest point for me. That's all. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it does sort of, we see a real pastiche of all dystopias here. But anyway, dude, let's not worry about that stuff. Yeah, sure. He, we, listen, we've got, a, we've, got a, we've got to hold a man up by his neck. Yeah, he's you know? rehashing what he should have said when suddenly he's attacked by Brigand Doom. And there's a big commotion and the cops show up and shoot him, but the bullets do nothing. They go to like sort of wait and attack him with their batons and steady swings Gray's body <laughs> around like a weapon. And in a strange new voice, because I believe he was previously black word bubbles and white letters, mm-hmm. but now it's just sort of a scrambly thing. Yeah. He says the people of the city have grown soft, but he will rescue them from a life of servitude, switch off the machinery and return to the soil or die by the hand of Brigand Doom. Yeah, because he really didn't have this kind of thing before. It was just like, I'm trying to find the guys who are bad. Yeah, no, he did. I mean, this is the first time we've heard a name. We, we, we've heard these words, Brigand Doom, in the course of Brigand Doom, for the record. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like I I love the shout out there because that was the thing that I was like, oh, there's some fucking there's little there's little fuckery here. Title. Not, uh, so Inspector Nine's running late getting home, but she gets a call on her video phone to head to the scene of a serious disturbance. When she gets there and it's the, the aftermath of uh, Doom's attack, she talks to citizens. One says he saw a strange and dark shape. threatens shape. them with literally them having a brain hemorrhage. Yeah. Shape came from the sky, landed on a citizen, knocked out guards and flew away. Pulls in another citizen and, like you said, threatens him with the truth-telling machine that causes brain tumors. And he, you know, describes our buddy Doom with a tricorner hat and smell of mothballs. Back at the voodoo lounge, the bad guy's yelling at Doom for bringing him a crappy specimen for his undead army. You brought me a garbage person into my hoodoo lair. He grabs like a scepter thing. And like and beats him, and all I'm thinking to myself is, I can't wait until Brigand Doom kicks this guy's ass. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, because he's about to activate his mind. But I, you know, that Brigand Doom, yeah, no, this is gonna is remember all of this. I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> So, anyway, it just, this doesn't do anything. Doom smells terrible. There's nothing for it. It'll have to restore Doom's mind. Next time on Brigand Doom, Doom with a view. I love, I love Brigand Doom, comrade. Like, <laughs> I love it. I'm interested I love, to see where it goes. Uh, this this I, voodoo uh, stuff was not what I was expecting for Brigand Doom 2, I must say. I, I So, I don't necessarily love it. As a plot line because mm-hmm. of reasons, but I love it because it's in Brigand Doom and it's like, yeah, we could have voodoo. It's such a like, like it's such a it's such a tangent to what I like. It's like I, I was huffing gas in one moment and got shot in another. And now my corpse can be revived. I'm like, you know what? I'm in. I'm Honestly, I'm in. Anytime there's voodoo, I get thrown off just because for me, voodoo is always so ridiculous that it's got to be its own thing, you know? Like, when I get you're, like, like um, I'm thinking of the Bond movie, uh, Live and Let Die, which is the one oh, where he, no. he does voodoo stuff and it's questionable. Oh, um, no. But, um,. <laughs> But, like, even then, voodoo is, like, the central focus of, I mean, um, of the adventure, you know? What, well, what I like is that it's um, – so voodoo is a very whitewashed concept, mm-hmm. right? But the person doing it is a white person. Yeah. There's a weird, there's right? a weird meta level of, of cultural appropriation going on with this I, voodoo stuff as well. I don't think that they are thinking at that level. I I won't believe no. that. Listen, listen. If there's one thing I'm going to do with an Alan McKenzie story, it's add a lot of subtext to it. So then people yell at me about it. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I will I, say if I, we're if we're if we're going to do voodoo in this story, I'm happier for a white dude to do the voodoo. That's all I'm trying to say. Exactly. And, and well, and that's that is half my point. Uh, I am I like I would love to think that they had the forethought of being like, yeah, this is pretty racist shit. Um, let's make this white guy who thinks he's doing the right thing or or whatever. It's not the way you should like handle it, I guess. <laughs> like it's a, a weird it's a weird move. 
it um, is it is the weirdest move because that, that, because like maybe you just say he didn't he didn't do a death because a lot of a lot of original voodoo films especially like in the 40s and 50s it was about they weren't dead they were under the control of something mm-hmm. right um it's actually where where zombie uh became a a cultural phenomena was that a zombie used to be someone who was under control by a specific powder or a specific like mind spell it wasn't actually a dead person yeah this that... this okay sorry no, 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 please. I was going to say this story does feel like kind of a weird cultural bridge between a traditional, I guess, voodoo-based zombie and um, like your modern- Like a dead zombie. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like Night of the Living Dead kind of zombie, I guess. Because there is control over the dead, and that's that's where I got interested. I'm like, this this seems like it understands- but it also seems like likely it, it the people making it didn't get it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, it's and weird. it feels so well, and it feels so out of left field for Brigand Doom. Yes, where it makes me excited for Brigand Doom as in in terms of like no holds barred, we can do weird shit within this this thing. Yeah, I feel like we're we're very much on different ends of the spectrum with with our response to this one, Fox. Where you are feeling excited by this, and I'm I'm like, what I, the hell? Like, I, so I'm feeling hopeful simply because I love to break and doom so much. I'm like, okay, like I'm swallowing this pill because I'm very much feeling don't, like don't fuck like, with I, me. I'm very much feeling like I've 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 gone to an Italian restaurant and I had a lovely antipasti, you know, appetizer kind of thing. And then they and shit on your plate. No, not even shit, but like they brought out like sushi for like the main course. And it's I, like, well, this isn't this isn't what I was expecting to be eating at this restaurant. And I'm kind I, of I'm, I'm skeptical. I I feel like that is the most correct response. Like I'm not so, even at. So at, I think at, I think your point, response I'm not is even the most saying it's logical. bad. I'm just saying it just sort of comes out of left field. I guess. No, you know? no, of course it does. It's like, why did this happen? He, you could just say he didn't actually die. He's a superhuman, and move on. What or even ex- ha- have this same character be magicking up the undead, but like with Alistair Crowley-based stuff instead of <gasps> voodoo stuff. I mean, but always you should use Alistair Crowley. Look, I'm not saying they did it well. I'm simply saying they did it. Uh, yeah. I, this isn't the top. This isn't the top for me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's which continue is, on. Hey, which Fox. is problematic. I yeah. am what? How are you Speaking going? of... Um, monsters that we traditionally think of as being members of the undead, but often are not, <laughs> but actually are super hot. And Let's talk also about my favorite. Yeah, Thrill Five Durham Red. <sighs> I mean, that it's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, it's so good, and because of like what, like two progs. Like it's it's so good. I mean, no, it's a, it's an all four, but yeah. Uh, script robot Alan Grant, art robot Carlos Escara, letting robot Mary Green. So last time, Fox, mutant bounty hunter Durham Red tried to capture a dude with the awesome title of Goth Lord, but accidentally instead slipped on some guts and got sort of uh, cornered. 
and then did a high kick into yeah. his face as we yeah. enter. It's trouble, but nothing a couple high kicks can't fix. We're all grateful for that. I'll tell you that much. Sadly, though, she's fighting several dudes at once and has taken hits. She tumbles around avoiding attacks and tries to take the goth lord hostage, but instead he stabs her in the leg with a shard of uh, shattered again, drug vial, and she I, spazzes out like a freshman. I really don't feel that stabbing someone in their subcutaneous fat with, you know... A, yeah, with a shard. I mean, you know, with it could a shard have been... of with a shard of glass that is coated with something. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm gonna have this. Like it's an overdose. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just like ultra concentrated or something. But yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. It, it, I, I don't think listen, it pays to it's, a- it's analyze hot. it too closely. It's honestly, it's hot regardless. Yeah, like, it's hot. I'm sorry. <laughs> like Goth Lord knows how to. Uh, make some hot uh, blood-based uh, hallucinations happen. The goth lord calls off his goons and have them watch as Durham hallucinates and seems to pass out in a big pile of blood. I, I'll, you know what? I'll, I will give props to this man. It wasn't like, oh, just take her to my bedroom where I can do horrible things. He's like, no, take her to the island. Yeah. Like it is, it it is kind of far enough removed where it's not disgusting the way that you I mean, would you would watch like a a netflix special <laughs> yeah no listen i'm sure the goth lord's into far weirder stuff than we could ever possibly am like things he you couldn't even understand yeah goth lord anyway um yeah so he says she should be spared and we get some time and space here we're, we're post final solution it seems the doghouse has been destroyed most of the mutants with it so oh, no I one's coming this. for her so it's time to just send her to the monks so you can pay your I, debt with the sweat of her mutant brow i i'll say 765 is Maybe my most favorite thing since the last time I saw Johnny Alpha. <laughs> yeah, some good mutant stuff here for sure. God. We see two goons, one with a torch, carrying Red down some spooky stairs to a boat as she remembers her youth. As a kid, Red's carried away from an angry mob by her father. They're looking for her and we basically just see the difficulties of raising a vampire child, essentially. I mean, ye- <laughs> kind of Yes. We're sort of, sort of the but, middle but in, section in, of in uh, the interview best, with the vampire here. <laughs> well, but it's also in the best sort of way where it's like, like, hey, dad, like, I love blood. I need blood. Um, just Carlos Escara does such a great job of going in between what we need to do as parents mm-hmm. and what her literal situation is currently. Um it is great subtext mm-hmm. while also being explicit uh, in the moments where there is actual text. Yeah, That's I really all. love the, uh, the the landscapes as they're pa- as these goons oh, are I paddling mean, out. Um, yeah, paddling uh, red out here just through these big like sort of sunrisey lands like uh, uh, waterways and stuff. It's very nice. Um, so they paddle her out as Red remembers being 10 years old and finally drinking both of her parents dry, be, you know, being on her own. She, she travels the side streets, you know, side streets and alleyways, drinking the blood of the less fortunate. 
Um, the boat enters into a strange cave and things get very moody. Red was 13 when the mutants up, when the mutant uprisings failed. When she first saw Johnny Alpha specifically. Yeah. Inspired by a portrait of a mutant era baby Johnny Alpha. Soon, like so many mutants, she became a strontium dog and the rest is history. The boat goes through the cave and onto a very strange looking underground island in the middle of a bunch of water. Red thinks of her life forever craving blood as the boat she's on meets one piloted by robed figures with lanterns. They travel in together as desperate figures on the shore scramble away. They're interested to see this new girl and the goons carry her over to a manacle staked to the ground and lock her in. One guy on the... Yeah, it's crazy. One guy on the beach tries to rush one of the monks and gets hit by a cattle prod and then falls into the water surrounding the island where he's instantly skeletonized by murder fish. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, as all this is happening, um, there's like a black – like every page or so, we have this black and white picture of red that's slowly being – Black, white, and red. Yeah, being right. absorbed by like a creeping flow of red, which is you know like like blood sort of filling her psyche, basically. As we hear a mantra of like lust, need, obsession, blood, that kind of stuff. It's it well because it's her pangs of of desire of this constant need of this blood. Like what I love about this comic. It's not that she wants to feed on people. It's that she literally needs to. Yeah, definitely. Got that and, vampire and by the, lust. By the, by the end, we see her fully bathed in red. Yeah, 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 it sort of creeps Madness. through. Exactly. Ooh, it's cool. <laughs> the monks say not to worry about red if the effects of the psycho drug don't take care of her. This island full of terrible weirdos will. Um, uh, rape. They're literally saying rape. We'll take mm. care of it. Um, as Red lies unconscious, like you said, her mental image turns fully red. She falls into madness as one of these weirdos clambers up to her and tries to kiss her. Mm. The weirdo. Real this guy we used kiss. That's what he's doing. This one. Because we see him puckering up and going in, but Red comes up biting and rips out, rips off his lower lip with her fangs, essentially. Good, Good lady. These other guys call her a bad girly, and Red tries to run, but she's again chained to the floor. It looks bad until a giant called Big Laz arrives and scares everybody off. He wants to play one I, potato, two potato. Oh, sorry. I, I, I will say the the one thing I hate about this is that she requires a huge dude to just, like, kick a bunch of people off. I just feel it would have been better if... Everyone was like, ah, she's fucking crazy. You know, like, let's not go near her. And then this big Liz guy was like, no, I'm not afraid. You know, maybe. Yeah, I guess this is just a quick way to kind of bring bring the exposition in here. You know, that's what's more. This is future me uh, reflecting on past them. Sure. So this so big Liz is. um being is a Lenny to this doctor's um God who's that guy other guy in the in oh. mice men you know what I'm talking about but yes. um to this doctor guy who comes over gives Red a once over with the stethoscope and stuff diagnoses her as having taken a massive dose of psych oh 
<laughs> she should be through the worst of the hallucinations, but there's always a chance of flashbacks. He explains they're on the Island of the Damned, a lunatic asylum of the most terrifying sort, and he heads off to stitch up that guy's lip. Warns her I to mean, stay out of the sun. Which becomes a very big problem, actually. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Suddenly, um, suddenly a giant metal smiling sun rises I, out of the water on the roof of this um, uh, cave, of giant cave they're on. So it's not like a hallucination thing. That's just like the Mario sun coming up. Yeah, there's like a giant metal track that like runs along the inside of this dome and the sun sort of moves along it, smiling as it goes. It gives off a massive, incredible heat and Red can't get away from it because, of course, she's um, chained down. She starts to sweat profusely and wonder if, wonders if she'll be baked alive next time by the sweat of their brows. <sighs> mean Conrad, I love it. It's pretty good. I'll I love it. I like I mean, it's Iscara. So, you know, doing the Lord's magic here. Mm-hmm. Um sensual woman, though she is. I I love the humanity that they give her. They're like, no, look, this was her as a girl. This is what happened to her parents. Right, it's mm-hmm. it's us going through the same thing that oh oh you think that Durham Red is fucking a badass and and fucking great? She yeah. lost her parents because they gave their blood to this girl, and she has to live the rest of her life dealing with the fact that she was the cause of her parents' death. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a very it's heavy. deep, sad backstory. They're adding a, adding a lot of this stuff onto our female characters in uh, 2000 AD right now. Like, oh, they have, like, I don't want a lady that doesn't have a tragic backstory, Fox, all right? That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm just saying that it's heavy mm-hmm. uh, and that I appreciate it massively. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I love that they gave Durham Red room to breathe. That's all. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm. I'm really interested to see. I, I. I. I think we're trying in all these comics to give these Strontium Dog supporting characters some time to sort of stretch out and do their own things post Johnny Alpha. You know, we had Feral previously in Strontium Dogs. I'll tell you right now. Also, there's a Midden Face McNulty solo strip going in the magazine mm. right now as well. Um, I. I think so- they need it, given that. Johnny is yeah I mean yeah they're they're definitely trying to have these guys figure out what's going on um yeah post alpha so I'm interested to see where this story goes absolutely I'm 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 digging it so far of course a scare drawing Durham Red is always a good time for sure for so many reasons yeah so hey speaking of returning characters Fox ah I just, I don't know where to go with this. It was emotional for me. Definitely, yeah. Let's go to Thrill 6 Skiz 2. <laughs> Script robot Jim Bakey. Art robot Jim Bakey. Letting robot Tom Frame. I just, it's so weird to have this before trash, but <laughs> but after yeah, Judge it's, Dredd. It, it's in the end end here because it's the fine it's the it's a new story. No, so no, it wasn't I, in I I just mean like I would have put it at the end of the comic in a way. 
I, I understand I think, why they did it. I think Durham Red's great at the end of the comic, honestly. Yes. God. Skiz, of course, last appeared in 1983, Prague's 308 to 330. Our episodes 94, 96 to 98, <laughs> and 100 to 102. It's also concentrated in collection 19. And I should say, you've actually just been on the Mega City Book Club oh, with our friend Adam Clark to talk about this guy. Oh, you know it. Me and him are going to talk about some Skiz. I love Skiz. I love Skiz. Uh... It, it couldn't have come at a better time, uh, given that he's having an, exis- uh, uh, <laughs> an existential crisis. I feel like he's having a regular crisis, too, to be honest. Well, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Skiz, the tale of an alien interpreter meeting a teenage girl in Birmingham, England, and the trouble they get into, real classic 2000 AD, and now, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> Narration boxes appear over a planetscape as interpreter Zix is ask is uh asking questions about what he ate while he was on Earth, and it seems the only thing he could keep uh, he could keep down was low fat yogurt. Fox, yeah, and that yogurt it's literally the the cultures that are in his stomach. Yeah, had an active culture in it, which are now still living on in his guts. That's that's what's keeping him from going to the planet because honestly, and I know, like it's it's this weird thing because it's kind of like what they're talking about is true. Those cultures could present a huge natural disaster, right? Yeah, it's a strange it's a strange life form that is inhabiting his stomach, and that they don't understand what's going on with it. I, and uh, but uh, they also put him on a an ice planet with only two robots. Which would not necessarily be the worst, but also, I would imagine, be the worst after some time. Plus, we all know quarantines are tools of the New World Order, Fox. Uh, Yeah, Um, exactly. (laughs) I guess I'm using my quarantine tools on this where I'm like, well, it doesn't seem that bad. You've got an entire planet. just like, put the mask on. Stay on the planet. Yeah, you, you can just be on an entire planet where you've also got two robots to talk to. Uh, like a sheep. <laughs> yeah. I should say the 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 androids are they look similar to Skiz, the sort of these kangaroo droids basically. And they're on this this uh the frozen planet to, of Garp. It's to called. To be honest, how else would they make robots? Would they make robots look like something else other than what they look like? Which it is, is what, true. It is sort of a, a is, C-3PO thing going yeah, on no, here. Yeah, no, which is what I like because they're like, of course we're going to make robots look like us. That's what robots would naturally look like. Definitely. I, I Else, There's just uh, this consistency that I love within the Skiz universe. Anyway. Totally. Elsewhere, two men, a construction company suit and an archaeologist <laughs> – make their way to a construction site outside of Birmingham where a piece of Bronze Age foundry slag may have been found. I mean, a, man a, com- a normal person and definitely uh, a, a future bad guy. Mm. A man comes running up to them saying he's dug up a bomb. Apparently, this kind of thing has happened before, I guess. But he describes it as a foot-long and bronzed as a foot-long and bronze color. The suit goes to check it out but doesn't find anything. And goes to check with the with the drill operator that was also supposed to be there. Oh, He's gone. The drill operator's gone. Who is this man? 
Yeah, hold on. The suit returns to find the archaeologist on a cell phone. Ooh, 92 cell phone. Ooh. That means you're up to something. It's when you got to pull out the cord from the top of the cell phone. Yeah, the suit borrows the phone and calls some, some folks to keep an eye out for that drill operator. Cornelius Cardew. Oh my He's God. got his pride. <laughs> Listen, I got my pride. I love that he still has the bandit on. And you know, you know that Cornelius is protecting Skiz's livelihood. Mmm, got my pride. He's, we oh, see. got my pride. Cornelius, badass pipe fitter from the first book of Skiz, wandering off down the highway with something tucked under his arm. You know that that is something to protect Skiz. You know yeah. it is. I know it is. I'm, I'm, I, I love Cornelius. Cornelius is so great. Definitely got hype. Meanwhile, back on Garp, Skiz makes his way across the flash frozen ocean. It looks like this plant's got a weird axial tilt. So it goes from freezing cold to burning hot and back at extreme speed, mm. which is why they go to this ocean. There's actually like flash frozen surf, basically, like the, um, you know, waves crested and frozen in place, which is kind of cool. But OMG, there, I think there are some people inside of this ice. Yeah, there's some icy rubble, and Skiz looks in it and sees a face inside the ice box. But the robots say block. But the ice. But the robots just say he's imagining it. Suddenly, a spaceship flies overhead. Could it mean that he's been cleared and nah. they're coming to take him home? Nah. No, it's just a. It's a ship arriving with all of his stuff, and that's when Zix realizes that he's never leaving this planet again. I. I love how much attention to detail there has been in just a singular comic, if that makes sense, Conrad. Mm -hmm. uh, from the crying he makes to the fact of what he ate, <sighs> but more importantly to Cornelius, I miss that man. And he's, wait, yeah. listen. <sighs> he... <laughs> He may be the most important character to me. The fact that he came back and and still had the band-aid on his head. Yeah, I'm excited to see more Cornelius. I want to see what 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 Roxy's up to. Oh um, my god, right? I don't care about Laws as much, who was sort of the other dude, the the other grown-up in um in the first skiz. Oh, well, but... I think I, I I think he was an adhesive. Like right, like yeah. he was he was part of what was like Roxy listening, you gotta do the right thing. Whereas Cornelius was the I will always do the right thing. Right? Yeah, no, I feel like yeah, he's just sort of less essential, certainly. So but these I agree three, with you this, is I guess what I'm saying. This yeah, this crew of three, that's what I'm interested in, and hopefully we'll get more of their adventures, and I really hope that whatever they're all doing, all of these, all, all three will converge at some point, and we get the crew back together. Oh, That's my I, dream. Oh my god, I can't wait. I can't wait for them to all go to a frozen planet and rescue I just skins. want, yeah. I just want Roxy and Skiz to hug again. Oh, I for, my God. Maybe make out a little bit, but that's kind of gross. Let's not get into hey, it too uh, much. I will. I will. No. Nah. All right. Fox. Oh, God. <laughs> Next time on Skiz, possessions. <laughs> and as we – and now I – and now – 
And now nine-tenths of the law tells me that you have to uh, inform me of your top and bottom thrills oh, for this issue. Bottom, episode. bottom was fucking trash. And I wish I could say something funnier because it was trash. Uh, Aptly named. I, I honestly think that trash is trying. But man, it's not good. It's... <laughs> I guess that's all I can say. It's ah. not it's not fun to read, Conrad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't like it. So I don't think I need to say anything else. I think that they keep tacking things on and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Fair. So I want to say Brigand Doom as top because it went so off rails. However... I think you're right. I think that the off-rails nature of it doesn't fit what I already expected. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, listen to me. <laughs> well, it's more of... Look, man, I had to choose this month between Durham Red and Brigand Doom. Mm-hmm. And Brigand Doom, it's, it's so stupid. But not stupid and sensical. Whereas mm. Durham Red was sensical and emotional. I learned something about Durham Red yeah. that built her character that wasn't just like I've got a chainmail, uh, yeah, underwear, mini skirt or whatever right? tabard like, thing. Like I, I gave so much of a shit about what she was going through by the end of that because we're like, oh my god. She also had a Johnny Alpha scenario, and they did that all in just one prog. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my top. I, I nice. like. I loved. I loved me some JD. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And Skiz was Skiz. I mean, we only got one issue I, of Skiz, yeah, so it's exactly. not really in, I, in contention at this point. I, that's when I say Skiz was Skiz. It's maybe the best thing that I could say about it. And I wish I could talk about Big Spartan, but I feel like Big Spartan is not made for me. Mm. So when we're looking at the entirety of everything that we looked at, like, look, man, it's it's got to be Durham Red. Nice. Conrad, please, Yo. please tell me that you agree with me at least in one of these directions. Top and bottom thrills. Trash is an easy bottom. <laughs> oh, my God. I, hey, remember that one time a plant said that it was made of copper wiring and polythyrene or what the fuck ever? But it was no, also because just I've... a plant and then it ate dirt. And it was like, I've computed that dirt is bad. So all of humans bad. But I won't kill the squirrels. Those are fine. Fox. Fox, I don't remember it because I purged I, I purge it from my brain as much as I can. All right, I don't. I try not to. I don't. I don't have the processing space to maintain the details of this kind of stuff. Of, of fucking trash. Get out of here. I, I stand by. Listen. The only joke I'm willing to devote some processing power to for trash is to say that it's aptly named. That's all I'm going to do. Anyway, top. Woo. Um, Come at me. Dread, I thought was okay this month. It's fine. Um, Geo, like I, I like the movement on the Stan Lee, like continuing the stuff about Stan Lee. 
I um, like the space stuff and the investigation parts of Judge Dredd. I think that's an interesting wrinkle of that character that I feel like has always been implied, but we rarely actually see. Yeah, we I never guess. see him doing the Inspector Clouseau, but I'm going to jackboot you. Yeah, yeah, just sort of. I mean, because like, I feel like it's a big Batman thing also where they talk about Batman being like a detective, I guess. But usually <laughs> he just sort of shows up someplace and bursts through the ceiling or whatever. You know, it's a different he thing. Does Cool, um, man. I know. Yeah, exactly. But like from the top. Um, but so I like seeing him do that. Um, I really don't like 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 I don't like this voodoo stuff I, in Brigitte. The more I think about it, the less I like it. Is what I, I'm I don't say. blame you. The only like, reason. Even entices me a little bit is like okay, well at least Brick and Doom can be a little silly, but I then have to remind myself he was huffing gas to become a super person. It, it just it's seems not, like it it's comes- not compelling, Conrad. Like we just, we just like it's just um, we went from that gas stuff in which we, um, and all this stuff, all this stuff makes it seem like it's a sci-fi story, like kind of a hard tech sci-fi or something like that. Well, like I want to know about the gas all this stuff. Yeah, we don't really have exact details on what these gas ampules are. All these different things, but then you toss in voodoo zombies. And, and it starts I just don't to go know. a little bit off the rails, right? It's just like what what is where what is where is this coming from? <laughs> what does this have to do with anything? And it and doesn't why? really answer that question. Like and why? why? So because like when I suspend my like for me, Fox, when I suspend my disbelief, I'm very happy to go with like um, like I've got a couple suites of sus- belief suspension. All right, mm-hmm. so like like fast than so like like if it's a sci-fi story, I'll happily go with whatever vague faster than light travel thing you want to give me. I'm happy for it. You know, um, if you're a superhero story, the ability to like produce energy and do other things, even though it's not realistic, I'll yeah. go with it. I I once got in a fight with somebody because they refused to buy um the arc reactor what? in the first Iron Man movie. Like, Wait. That's unrealistic, and I'm like, you are such a fucker. Let's just go with it, Jesus why, Christ. Like, why wouldn't you want to have an arc reactor? Because it's not. Because again, it's not realistic. But anyway, but th- that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'll go with it. But so, <laughs> I want, but so with or wait, with, I. I I suppose – well, anyway. I don't want to rehash the fight, Fox. But what I'm saying is that with Brigand Doom, I had one set of belief suspension, which was like, okay, so – He's got a tricorder weird... hat and he's going to do some yeah. eco-terrorism? There's a guy doing eco-terrorism in this weird clockwork dystopia – like a, a sci-fi dystopia. Fuck and yeah. so when you – Again, when you bring voodoo into that, it's it just, weird. It, throw, it get it's too much. It's overbalancing things. I don't. I don't think it's very Conrad, good. Conrad, it's weird. It's weird I'm, when you bring in voodoo to a man with tricorner hat. Again, because like I'm happy to. Ex- I'm, I've got a whole set of suspension of disbeliefs for voodoo stories, Fox. But when you I, bring it in halfway through, it's 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 not great. And honestly, <laughs> like. The more that I think about it, the more that Brigand Doom's real lucky the trash is running right now because it's I'm putting it on notice with I, his voodoo stuff. I'll, Fox. I'll be honest, I'm not 
I don't disagree with you. The more I'm talking about it, the angrier I'm getting about well, this. So, so I suppose <laughs> like where where you and I meet someone, right? Is that weird weird is better than bad, but bad and weird is double bad, right? But yeah. weird and weird is like look, I, all I'm saying is that trash could be good, but it's bad because it's got nothing going for it. Brigand Doom I love it because of what it was. I'm hoping it won't stay where it is, but also happy that there's, I guess, dead people. If it keeps going down the storyline, Conrad, Brigand Doom is going to be very quickly out of the gate for me. Like, it's just done. Mm. No? Nope. Yeah, let's see how it goes. I, I, so hope, anyway, I hope it's good. Yeah, I, I would... I, I can't stress enough, as I always say, Fox, I would like it to be good. I feel like you're better <laughs> off if it was good. Is it I'm not, is that not just 2008? I I hope it is good. That's I mean, that's my that's my that's always my stance, Fox. I'm not like walking I don't have my arms folded. You're not like, like oh, whatever they put out around here saying like oh, gonna God, be terrible. Terrible. Bad. I'm, like, no. I'm not one of these internet people where I'm hate watching things. I'm my goal is to be entertained by these comics, yeah. Fox. But when they don't, it's not like I, I got to call out. Anyway, my top thus is Durham Red. I'm I'm really digging it. I like oh, I so love solidarity. It. Oh my god, I love solidarity! This, yeah, I, I love this background on the character. Ascara feels like he's uh, flexing some muscles with the art here as they're sort of making their way to the um this island thing i really love that image of this big like gold sun like fake sun coming out of the water and stuff like that it's such a level it's a craziness that feels like it's something that a weird alien dude would do and it really works to and it, and it really works to make a make a cool story about a, an add more depth to a character i like so it's definitely in the top for me I I I love talking about her. I because I feel like she is so highly sexualized, obviously. Um mm -hmm. that I I feel like talking about Durham Red is somewhat damning. However, I love this character more literally because it's like, look, this is what happened when I was young. It's exactly the reason that I think Johnny Alpha is a hottie. Mm -hmm. Sorry, got that, got that, got that sad backstory. Your dad is secret Hitler. Uh, your parents, your parents wanted to keep you alive because they loved you. I love this character. Yeah, I Durham Red is in love with Johnny Alpha, and now you understand why. Mm, interesting. And. I think that that has, is having an impact on our character, and that's what I want to see more of. <sighs> anyway, I, like it's, it's just for me, Strontium Dog has been going from strength to strength after Johnny Alpha's death. That's a weird mm. thing for me to say. I support your right to say it, even if I'm not sure I super agree, Fox. I don't super anyway. agree with it either. <laughs> Anyway, please. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. All right. So I feel like we're feeling pretty good going into the new year. Interesting stuff in 92 for sure. I'm stoked to see how it all works out. 
And along those lines, hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On the 2080 forums or our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. And hey, if you want to drop us a rating or review wherever you can, appreciate it. This show's brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and Zane Kipmiller, and your friends at the 2080 Forums. If you'd like hey, to join oh. them and help support the show, yeah, you can. we'd appreciate it. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show, receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2080 in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. And not too bad. Come, I'd say they're like, yeah, a, they're like a 9 out of 10, maybe a 10 out of 10. Listen, if you want to hear some folks, two dudes being tired and talking about video games, (laughs) I can't stress our Q&A episodes enough. Being tired is, I think, the correct thing. I've said this before, but the nature – if there's one thing I know about Fox, it's that um, unlike most people where they get tired and they – Stop, and they talk a lot less. When oh. Fox gets tired, he talks a lot more. <laughs> but the filter falls away. Yeah. And I love you for it. So come back next time as Judge Dredd goes zero G. Skiz melts some new problems. Oh. It's zombie time in Brigand Doom. Durham Red gets hot under the collar. Oh. And we'll trade in trash for a whole new kind of eco-terror as Finn comes to 2000 AD. I, should I be worried or, or happy? I'm pretty excited about Finn. Okay. It's um, written by Pat Mills. Sort of got some Listen, kind I'm of weird Con- ecological things going on. Conrad. The train of his horn god stuff. Conrad, I'm just worried. I don't want to read any more about the grain at all. Well, we're definitely going to be reading about it not as a supercomputer. God. I think that's what's important. Fucking damn it. All right. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll see. And until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Conrad's an actual money! money.